Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you the only way we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Made in Cookware. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. One of the best dads I know on this here Father's Day, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Thanks, buddy. Happy Father's Day to you, too. And uh, I have to say, it's no longer... The summer of games. It's just a regular summer with games. Is that, is that there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of games still this summer. I think it's summer of games. No, it's no long no longer. That's over. It's just the summer, comma with games. You know. Hey, can I tell you a quick anecdote of the weekend uh, on my Father's Day weekend? Uh, one of the things that we did <laughs> when you set it up like that, I'm very nervous. But I yes, think you're going to go like ahead. this. One of the okay. things that we did is uh, we brought the kids to a pool. Uh, it was very, very hot here in Los Angeles over the weekend. And so uh, we took the kids to a pool. And uh, it's, it's the first time we've gone swimming in, in quite a while. The kids had swim lessons during COVID. We had like COVID protocol swim lessons with a teacher in a full mask and the kids in the full mask. But we tried to teach them how to swim. That, that's called scuba diving, Jeff. Go oh, ahead. yeah. No, that was that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so like the first time they've gone swimming uh, all year, Los Angeles is wide open, COVID's up. So we got to go to this pool. And um, my daughter, who is three, completely unprompted. I don't know where she, she must have picked it up from her brother somehow. I don't know. But it was the most amazing thing. She would get to the edge of the pool and she would want to leap into the water toward me, who was waiting there to catch her. She would leap. She would stand at the edge and say, Super Mario, and then leap in and go <laughs> underneath the water. And then when she came back up, she would say, Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario Splash Odyssey it, over and over and over. I don't know why she was doing that, but it was delightful. They're going to anyway. need a new Mario voice actor at some point. I mean, not anytime soon, hopefully. You yeah. Know, everybody's safe and healthy, but I'm just saying your daughter's getting ready, primed and ready. She's it was it was pretty great. All right. Uh we have a huge show for you speaking of Super Mario Odyssey. We got some Nintendo Direct news to talk about cuz we didn't get it last week in our E3 coverage. 
and, and lots more. And the coolest thing is we have an awesome guest to do all of this with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for downhill locomotion in the cold because from kind of funny games cast we have the man himself snow bike mike hey mike how's it going so good you guys you know what the intro is even hotter when i'm here live with both of you i caught up with the podcast while out on a boat today and i gotta say it got me pumped up when that beat drops i'm definitely ready for a show and you made it even better being here live but Happy Father's Day to the both of you. Thanks for having me on today. Well, thank you. You know, our preferred way of people listening to the show is on a boat. So I appreciate you doing that. That is the recommended listening of the of this podcast. Nothing better than flying across the wake, getting kind of choppy, having some fun with your friends, and just having DLC on in the background, talking games, hanging out with the two guys. I mean, it's a good time. Right on, man. I love it. All right. Well, let's Wait, jump real into quick. This- Sorry, Jeff, real quick before... Yeah. Uh, Mike, I don't want to put you on the spot, and you're cropped here as well. If anybody watching live, but have you ever done a full studio tour of your setup? Because I always see you pretty cropped. Sometimes you go a little wide, but like, I mean, how many other Xbox goodies do you have that you just haven't told people about? Like, where's that like retirement fund just stashed hidden somewhere? Because what you have on camera is incredible. What's where's the vault? I, I've always wanted to tap in to that vault. <laughs> Man, I wish I had a bigger vault. I think the true centerpiece is probably the Xbox Mountain Dew Limited Edition one. Found that at the local game store and had to grab it. But I think my favorite stuff is actually the line of Xbox body wash over here that was only <laughs> dropped in Australia and New Zealand. I thought it was just a wild idea and a best friend <laughs> sent it out to me. But, you know, I keep most of all of my goodies here. A lot of it's uh, in the background, it's just kind of boxes on pot boxes. So nothing special hidden. But I'll, I'll uh, think about that just to tease people. I, I want to know what Xbox smells like. You know, the body wash, I guess, has the Xbox. It, it smells scent. like Paris Lily burning cause, what it smells like. Uh, That's what it smells <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Or you can hop in our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Or another way is to join the Discord and uh, submit stories that way. Talk about the show with other folks. That's 5x5dlc on Discord as well. Mike, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? You know what? Thank you so much for the opportunity to pick story of the week to kick us off. And I got to say, let's keep it in the world of Xbox, but let's have some fun with it. Let's bring out our creative side. And uh, what better way than to actually show off my Xbox Design Lab controller with the both of you? So I thought, why not pick this story? Xbox Design Lab is back, and you know we can talk all about it. So you want me to kick it off? I can, but I know you guys know the news, so you guys can Yeah, do it for yeah, me. they announced the the design lab is back. Of course, this was the a feature of last gen uh with the Xbox One console. You could design a color uh colorized Look at that controller. That is gorgeous. That lovely blue. Um more color options this time around. 18 different colors available that you can mix and match. 
uh, switch out the, the buttons, the triggers, the, the front, the back. Uh, there's new laser etching. Obviously, no, Mike, you have already taken advantage of this. You just showed off your sexy new controller. Um, do you think this sets Xbox apart in, in some way? How much is, is color selection, personalization a factor in I, most people's desire for a console, do you think? You know what, Jeff? That's a great question. I think it actually is a big factor, to be honest with you. I think we're going to have a little fun with this one. Of We all have grown up with just the generic N64 black and gray controller, but then we got a little weird, right, with that yellow and see-through Donkey Kong green, and we really got to explore our creativity and show our unique playing styles. And I think over the years, we fell into just, hey, here's the generic colors, and we're not really going to go past that unless we have a super special edition you can buy with a console. And I love what Xbox has done with the Design Labs previously and now because this is what it's all about, right? Gaming is you. You get to show off what you're all about. And I really love what Xbox has done, right? I think on the opposite side, you look at Sony and they have a a little bit of breadth of color now that they've added in the red and the different black right there. Nintendo, they don't let you fully customize it, but the Joy-Cons are really a treat when you get to pick the special Joy-Cons you want. I've seen a lot of cool modded ones as well, but... I think Xbox to go that one extra step and say, hey, you know what? We're going to give you the power of choice. You can customize it however you want. It's something really special in gaming and something we don't see enough of. So I'm all about it. Definitely seen Twitter ablaze with people's customized uh, controllers. Christian, I saw you did one uh, based on your Kickstarter comic book, Consequences, that looked really, really slick. The color scheme directly from from the book. It, it's amazing the amount of variety and, um, you know, the op- math can tell you 18 factorial, right? Or at least because there's so many different combinations, but uh, really cool that people can create these themed controllers. Do you think that this is going to be a boon for the console as a whole, or is it just kind of a neat little add on? I mean, they've done it before, right? It's come back now with the series yeah. controller. They had it before, but I love it. Like I did, I ordered that that consequences themed controller. When I saw they had the exact yellow, I was like, "This, I need to, I need to have this. This matches perfectly." Um, but I, I really like it. I, I, I really, really like it. And they were great before, um, and it does, as Mike was saying, it really taps into that um, customization and how Xbox is positioning themselves it's all about the player it's all about you and you can have this thing that is how exactly how you want it i thought it was great before um it's always that little question of like is it worth to pay this air quote premium to have this custom 70 bucks 70 bucks plus ten dollars if you want the laser etching so it could be as much as 80 bucks for a controller it's a lot they're not they're not cheap but the same price as the switch pro controller the Red DualShock 5 is $5 more than the black. So it's like controllers are approaching this territory as is. And now if I know that I'm going to have one that's exactly how I want it, um, it's really appealing. And I think a lot of people are ordering a second or third controller for themselves or for their family members. And Xbox has dabbled in this before, clearly with this uh, Design Lab controller, but also faceplates and stuff going back to the 360 So I love it. I'm I'm a big fan. It's not as if they're forcing you into it. You know, you can still go buy a regular series controller on sale on Black Friday for 40 bucks, or, you know, whatever it ends up being. But this as an option, I think is fantastic. And I'm so happy they brought it back. Mike, 
it it says that Microsoft is purporting that this is just the start of what they'd like to do. They're developing new processes, testing new materials so that they can continue to evolve this design lab experience, add more colors, more options later. Is there any part of you that worries that jumping in right away means you don't have the option that you would want, ideally? You know, that's a great question, because when we first looked at it, when it first relaunched, I was a little disappointed, right? I think at the end of the last generation of Design Lab, you really got to see the breadth of scale that they were going to have. You saw the shadow camo that they had. They had the fade-in of color with the gradient and different kinds of schemes and special editions you could add on there. You also talked about rubberized grips. You're talking about different kinds of colors there. And I think they really had the gambit there. But I think coming out day one, having more of a focus, understanding what the market's going to look like on jump off the bat. I'm not mad at that. Jumping in early, yeah, I'm a little disappointed, right? Because I saw what was previously there. And I know six months, a year down the line, there's going to be something different. But Hmm. I'm playing games so hard on these controllers that (laughs) I will probably burn through this by the time it's too time to upgrade and so forth. It's just an incentive to play harder. Yeah, exactly, Jeff. You know that. I do have one request, though. You know, I am a guy who has now gone full back paddles. And if you guys don't know, Uh, I'm talking about the Xbox Elite controller. Christian is a huge fan of the back paddles as well, yeah. So you get it. It's like once you go back paddles, you never go back, right? Once you get that in your mind, you never take your finger off that right thumbstick, and you're just absolutely locked in for gaming. And so I have a hard time going back to these original controllers without the back paddles because I'm so accustomed to that and it feels right. And so my one request from Xbox would be, you know, what is the price? How do we get a custom Xbox Elite controller in my hands? Because that's what I really, really want is to add some color to that. I know it would probably be super expensive, but that's the next step I want to see from them. Well, Christian, I, I remember before the the new consoles got announced, you were hoping that one of these companies would have the the guts. The what? To, what were you going to say? The... Uh, <laughs> The uh, guts, guts, guts. yeah, the guts, the uh, the courage, intestinal fortitude to actually include back paddles as a standard on the new controllers. You were hoping that maybe that was the next evolution of the controller in these new generations that we would see back paddle as the standard issue. Didn't, of course, come to pass, but um, you know, I I have yet to really uh, try that or, or sort of force myself to relearn how to play mike did you have did you have a, a learning curve on the back paddles it was a hard to kind of wrap your literally wrap your fingers around it <laughs> yes well said totally i actually had to start with two so i play mm. a lot of first person shooters and particularly a lot of battle royales lately and so i started with two i started with x to interact and i started with b to crouch and just kind of wrap my mind around having those two right there and then slowly added on the third and the fourth i was worried at first because that third and the fourth are kind of close to the other ones that would be just gripping all of four of the buttons at the same time. But you start to learn it and, and it's well worth it. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It took me, cause I, I was excited for next gen. I thought that maybe Sony with their, you know, a little attachment for the DualShock 4 was them kind of hinting at, which was just a two-button back paddle. But I was, I thought, or I was hopeful that that was them hinting that they were going to include that as standard next gen. They clearly didn't. They do not have, they have not announced any back paddles for the uh, DualSense, DualSense, DualSense at all yet. And I'm kind of weird where it's like if I am playing a first-person shooter, I will pick up my Elite and I will back paddle. But third-person games, 
a lot of the time, it's like, it's really game dependent. There are some games that if I'm playing Last of Us, uh, even when I was playing on PS4, I wouldn't use my back paddles on that. Ghost of Tsushima, I wanted my back paddles on that. So it's like this weird thing of how much I'm engaging with my um, face button thumb, <laughs> you know, or how much I need that that camera control as well. I, I think the, the, the Elite Custom Design Lab controller is coming... I do think it's going to be a pretty penny though, right? Like Scuff Gaming has kind of given given us the peek into what that might cost. But I, I think Microsoft's going to do it because people will pay. I, I think people will pay. You got to imagine that they've researched what it would take to do this kind of thing on the console itself. And just it's got to be so uh, cost prohibitive to, to customize the entire system. But... I, you got to know they looked into it, right? Because how cool would it be to, like, customize your your console like this and have different sections of the thing, different colors? I think that'd be rad. I mean, much less just buy one, you know? How cool would that be? Just to, like, <laughs> also, buy- yeah, oh, be able to walk into a store one. and get one. <laughs> That's a good point. But I, I'm surprised these these uh, these controllers are happening very fast. Right? 14 days, they say you'll, you'll be in your hand, right? Pretty cool. Uh, all right, uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? It is the the carryover that we, as you know, recording times and days that we didn't get to. It is uh, Nintendo. I should accept all those cookies in this private browser. Um, the Nintendo Z three. We we hadn't what, talked about Nintendo Z three. You're saying one last time. Okay, do it. Choo choo indeed. Ah. One more time. Play so nice. Let's hear it twice. Man, I, so I'm just going to jump, you know, blah, blah, blah. They had an E3 presentation. Metroid Dread, uh, surprise game. I've heard rumors about it like 10 years ago, right? Like, no. Well, we all did, right? It was in production yeah. f- 10 years ago. Like 15 uh, years ago. Famously or so. canceled. Yeah, I guess it was, it was almost 20 years yeah. ago. Uh, famously canceled. Uh, yeah, multiple but, um, iterations. It's back. It, it's, it's, br- it's back from the dread. Back, uh, yeah, well done. See yeah, what I did? And out <laughs> soon, it's the announce and release. Uh, it is, I mean, part of this is because of Game Pass is incredible, but it's the only E3 reveal talked about game that I've pre-ordered. Um, I'm not a big pre-order person, but you know, shout out to uh, the powers that be at Wario64. And when I saw that limited edition come up, I was like, bye, 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 bye. Um, I love Samus Return on the 3DS. When we talked about it, I uh, Jeff, I remember you saying, this looks great, but... I just need this game on my Switch. They have yeah. this other system. And now they, they've done that. This is Metroid this 5. Is it. Yeah. It's the conclusion of this larger, you know, 2D Metroid story. It looks so incredible. And to see the, the deep dive they did with Treehouse, again, I know they mentioned other stuff, but Metroid Dread is what I care about. I I uh, I mean, it's I think my E3 game is show. Like they're getting the cake this year, Jeff. They're Finally the, the sequel to Fusion that we all were hoping for, right? That uh... it's so good. Yeah, uh, it does it's, look really, really exciting. Uh, it's a it's a full two D Metroid done with the the capability of the Switch, which is makes for a real pretty two D game. Uh, you know, two and a half D, I guess you'd say. Uh, and the trailer looks great. It's coming out October eighth. This is clearly the tentpole fall Switch game. Nintendo, well, except for Pokemon. All right. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess mean, that's, that's the true. thing. They didn't even talk. I mean, again, they I know I blitzed through there. They didn't even talk about Pokemon at E3 because they already did their big Pokemon announcement. And who knows, Jeff slash All Games Get Delayed Kanata. But 
I mean, they have a pretty stacked end of year lineup. If you consider Metroid has like, what, a month and a half lead time until Pokemon? Yeah, and then, of course, we, they also announced Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, which uh, literally last week I was like, nobody's making a new Advance Wars. It's technically not a new Advance Wars, but it's new Advance Wars, uh, which is pretty exciting. That's coming in December, the 3rd of December. We've got Mario Party Superstars, which, again, is another game that's not really new. It's just uh, like the greatest hits of all the other Mario Parties uh, bits ported over to Switch. That's coming October 29th. Uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania, again, not a new game, but ported over. It's a anniversary edition, 5th of October on Switch. Uh, Mario Gar- Golf uh, Super Rush, they showed off. That's coming very fast, very soon, like next week. Yeah, potentially um, while you're listening to this, like before yeah. the next episode, yeah. <laughs> that'll be out. Uh, and then uh, the only, the other big game this year, 10th of September, WarioWare Get It Together, which, you know, WarioWares are, are super fun. Having this be a co-op experience makes it big screen fun, right? Because Mar- WarioWare so often was that little screen fun because you're doing these micro games by yourself. But doing it with co-op makes for a big screen fun. Everybody gets one Joy-Con uh, or you and a friend, I suppose. It make get one Joy-Con. Pretty darn cool. Um, Mike, I know you're not a huge Nintendo guy, but anything in the direct? We haven't even talked about the the Zelda tease. Game and Watch. The, the Game and Watch. The Game Thank and Watch, you. which They're is biggest. the hugest <laughs> Zelda news we could have hoped for. Uh, no, these Zelda tees, we get a, we get a little teeny glimpse of whatever Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be called. Um, what, anything that grabbed you, anything excited you from the Nintendo direct this year, you know, being the semi Nintendo guy that I am, I'm a big N64 dude back in the day, of course, Mario party, right? I think yeah. any addition to Mario party, any more reason to go back and have just wild nights with your friends on a Friday is Mario party for me. So I'm really excited for this. I can't wait to get the kind of funny crew to play more Mario party because it's just nothing but shenanigans whenever we turn that game on. Yeah, it's so fun. My, my kid likes watching uh, just recorded Mario Party footage on YouTube. Not even people talking. No no, no window of a person commenta- commenting on it. No, none of that. Just literally straight up gameplay with no dialogue. <laughs> he loves it. Anyway. It's like, car- it's like a cartoon. You know, they're going around the board. They're getting into little adventures, battling it's true. each other. He's always so shocked and he's rooting for specific ones to do well. You know, go Mario, go Peach. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um <laughs> Christian, I know you came away from the Nintendo Direct super amped, mostly on the strength of Metroid Dread alone. Do you think it was a strong showing for Nintendo overall, or do you think that that one rocket carried the whole thing skyward? That was a terrible sword. metaphor. That was skyward a terrible sword. Yeah. Sky- oh. HD. Um, I, I do think it was a strong showing. Like I'm going to asterisk it COVID. And I'm going to double asterisk at Nintendo. Like, you know, Nintendo right. E3, I think 2017, 2016 was the year I think that kicked the doors open. And everybody was like, oh, this is how Nintendo's going to do it from now on. It's like Breath of the Wild. And I had like these three huge games. I think it was like Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Pikmin 3, maybe. I don't, I forget, but it was like, or maybe yeah. Bayonetta. It's like that year. And since then, this feels very classic uh nintendo direct metroid dread is huge i mean to me and i think a lot of other folks it is huge and and i think it has the potential to be one of the best-selling metroids of all time because the metroid franchise while wildly popular has never been 
the best selling um, franchise for Nintendo. I think now kind of living alone in October with all of these switches in the world, it being 2D, I think it can really connect with a lot of people that have grown to love Metroidvanias without having played a Metroid, <laughs> you know, Vania. Yeah, of course. Um, and kind of connect into that world. And then Breath of the Wild 2 tease, I thought was really cool. I wasn't expecting that game this year. I know some folks were. And then you have to remember they did the huge Pokemon Direct with two Pokemon coming out and whatever, you know, rumored or not rumored, <laughs> announced still air quotes, to come out within four months of each other or whatever that is, topped with Nintendo saying, we hear your rumors about this Switch HD but have your Switch Pro, but have you seen how well regular Switch is selling? Kiss my butt, you know? Oh, it's still <laughs> coming. They just weren't talking about E3, which, by the they way, don't care. I kept no saying rush. over and over. I kept saying over and over. They're not going to talk about E3. Um, what do you make of the Breath of the Wild 2, which clearly is not going to be the title. Uh, what do you make of the next Zelda tease? What we got is it's going to be in the air. There's going to be more air stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's a battle royale, and Mike and I are going to start <laughs> dropping in. He's done yep. on Warzone. This is the new game. Uh, drop into Hyrule. 100 links. Target. 100 links all on the same Hyrule. I mean, uh, there have been multiple. It's the Hero of Ages, right? So there are yeah. multiple links. We have that. Let's get this battle royale going. <laughs> Uh, I mean, are you excited for the idea of Breath of the Wild in the sky? I mean, the last it's it's interesting. A lot of people are comparing it to Skyward Sword, the last link that had a lot of sky stuff in it. And we're getting the Skyward Sword HD. Uh, you know, for some, that is a negative to com- the comparison to Skyward Sword. What say you? What do you what do you think, Mike? Do you, are you do you think that? them expanding this open world into the Z axis is a good idea. Jeff, I'm going to be honest with you. I have played 45 minutes of breath of the wild and I've never played a Zelda game since All right. I owned a N64, a GameCube, and a Wii. And somehow I only played third party games on all of those devices. I played Ken Griffey, junior baseball rampage world tour. I played gauntlet legends. We never once in my household played a Mario game, a Zelda game, not even a Donkey Kong game. And so when I joined kind of funny, they were all shocked when I said that. So as a 31 year old man, I tried Mario 64 about four weeks ago and had the time of my life. And I'm hoping to explore some more Zelda games. But honestly, I couldn't tell you up down from anything here with uh, with the wild. But I will say. Uh, Barrett Courtney and Tim Gettys talk a lot about it, and they seem to be very excited about it. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy. <laughs> They're the for only two. They're the it's only. Uh, those two. Are the only two I know. <laughs> the uh, I, my wish would be for you to just hold the line. You know, just say no, nah, <laughs> no Zeldas, no Mario's for me. That's it. See how long you can push it. Maybe to your 41. See if you can do it. Uh, that's awesome. Um, but Christian, what do you what, what do you think? Do you, is this an exciting prospect getting Zelda Breath of the Wild style gameplay, open world gameplay pushed into the sky or we just I, haven't I think, seen enough to know? Yeah, more the latter, but I think yeah. it is. I'm excited to see how they push the envelope. You know, we haven't had a lot of direct Zelda sequels. Um, I don't think this counting. is going to be one. Well, I, well, let me, you might be right. But I think this is going to be the next Zelda game that just happens to be carrying forward the Breath of the Wild style of Zeldas. That this is the new, st- there's like the Minish Cap style of Zeldas. There's the, you know, there's the sort of uh, 
classic uh, Ocarina of Time style of Zeldas. And now we've got these Breath of the Wild style of Zeldas that are, this is one of those games, but I think it's going to be its own identity. It's really not, they're not going to call it Breath of the Wild 2. It's not going to have Breath of the Wild anywhere in the, in the name at all. It's going to, it's going to be its own unique idea, I think. I will come up with a friendly wager. I don't know what we're going to wager, but I, I think this does continue the story more directly than the way all Zelda games continue the story of like a hero across ages. I, I do think there will be something larger there, but even if it is just the way you're pitching it, I'm excited to see how Nintendo pushes that design formula. Cause I, I don't think they're just doing a more of the same, you know, it doesn't seem like it's new map, same basic idea, go play. I think they are looking for ways to expand it and I'm excited to see you know, where those go. And what blew my mind, I think the most about this reveal was the Twitter hubbub about the idea of uh breakable weapons like that reignited. I mean, it was yes. trending for hours and Nintendo didn't, I was like, did they announce non breakable? No, there was nothing. It was just this breath of the wild focused discussion again about whether that should be in it, whether it shouldn't, what merit it has in, in games. And then I saw some people looping that into Battle Royales, where it's like every Battle Royale has con- consumable weapons. What's the di- And I was just like, design, video game design school on my Twitter feed. And I'm super curious <laughs> if Nintendo sees any of that and, and yeah. you know, flinches or they just kind of stick to their guns, whatever those are. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see it because I'm certainly on team don't like weapons degrading uh and one of the reasons i gravitated of course toward um uh immortals phoenix yeah immortals phoenix rising is because it didn't have that and i I don't think it made the game worse for it i think i love that game Um, someone who when they get out of bed can barely stand up my knees and ankles crack i'm a big fan of things breaking down over time (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna go the opposite direction as you use them more i mean my (laughs) knee i my knee is is definitely a consumable um (laughs) yeah i need to find a new drop somewhere with the no kidding man yeah that's the problem is that i i have the the uh weapons degrade but no new weapons anywhere All these, these used to be my weapons, baby. These were my weapons. Now I got no weapons. <laughs> I just have flaws. Uh, all right. Um, before we get to my story of the week, I do want to thank our sponsor, which is Made In. Oh, man. Christian, you and I were talking offline. We both got our Made In pans. And, dude, I, I know we got different pans, but I love mine. What did, what did you get? I got the, the nonstick one. The uh, nonstick pan um uh, what i guess saucepan is what they're called right i went for the carbon steel which i had had my eye on for a I while was tempted by that one i love it. it it's like all the benefits i mean not there's always trade-offs but like essentially it's the benefits of uh you know the, uh, of a cast iron but it's lighter so you're able to use it more like a traditional pan and it has yeah. high edges so you can do some it's not a walk but you can get some good flips in it and I got an unseasoned one because I really like that whole process of like making the pan your own and yeah. you put the oil on and I put it in the oven and then you kind of then you got this nice non-stick surface on it. And it's like the thing that I made. I've made pancakes. We've cooked sausages in it. Oh, uh, dude, I've, you, I've been using already. it for two weeks now. Nonstop is it's the only so pan I use. It's so great. The nonstick surface is fantastic. I haven't, I mean, it's been a breeze to, to clean. It's gorgeous. It, it, it works so well. And I, people who've listened to the show know I've gotten super into cooking. I love cooking. I love cooking for my family. And I have learned 
that having good tools to cook with, a, a great knife, great pans, so important. It makes your life so much easier. It makes your food better. That's really the difference between, you know, professional chefs and lay people often is the tools that they're using. These, these Look, tools if you of don't want your if you don't want your sword to break, exactly. you have to have the right, get the right tool. sword. The master sword. This is the yes. master sword of cooking. <laughs> Made in produces professional quality cookware and knives for people like me who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Made-in products are made to last, and they offer, get this, a lifetime guarantee. It's amazing. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go, as Christian was saying, from the stovetop to the oven, which if you're into you know, high-end cooking, really, I was watching uh, this masterclass with this uh, chef talking about the way to make an omelet is you cook it a little bit on the stovetop and then you put it in the oven a bit. It's amazing to have the tools to be able to do that. You don't have like a, a plastic handle that's going to melt in the oven, that kind of stuff. And these knives that they make too are fully forged, perfectly balanced. They stay sharp. They have 28,000 plus five-star ratings. Their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Made in, I, I am sold on this, man. It, it, the, the pan I got, I might have to get the, uh, the one you got, Christian, as well carbon steel because carbon i steel. love the it's non-stick nice. so much you it's can nice. go to madeincookware.com slash dlc don't forget that madeincookware.com slash dlc use promo code dlc you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's madeincookware.com slash dlc and promo code dlc m-a-d-e-i-n-c-o-o-k-w-a-r-e.com slash dlc promo code dlc for 15% off your first order. All right. Um, obviously, the Nintendo Direct E3 stuff was was huge. I'm super excited about the customizable controllers. Uh, my story of the week is uh, an interesting one in the sense of what we didn't see at E3. There was a number of notable... Each other. Yeah, each other. That, you know, I guess there are some positives. You're right, Christian. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Um <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, Bayonetta <laughs> 3 was was notably absent after being announced, what, two or three years ago? Um, but another game that we didn't see at Microsoft's event was Rare's title that they announced last year, or actually 2019, because we didn't have any three last year. Uh, and that is Everwild, which had a beautiful debut trailer. Well, there's a new article uh, talking about how uh, this new article from VGC talking about how uh, Everwild evidently has been rebooted from the ground up. They completely threw out their idea for what Everwild was going to be. And Rare has moved over a, uh, a new creative director on the title. Um, designer uh, Greg uh, Malis, Malis, Malis. Uh, we'll now head up the rebooted game. And this is somebody that kind of bridges the gap between old Rare. He's worked on Donkey Kong Country, Banjo-Kazooie, Viva Pinata, but also new Rare, having also worked on Sea of Thieves. And it now is going to be completely uh, reinvented from the ground up. We didn't really know what it was the first go-round, what, what they're abandoning. 
except that it was a pretty sort of outdoor, mysterious, mythical kind of ethereal look to it. Mike, what do you make of this? First of all, were you excited by what you saw of Everwild? And maybe I guess the better question is, do you think stuff like this means that games are shown too early? Man, that's a lot right there, Jeff. Uh, Let's start from the beginning. I think I was excited for Everwild coming off of Rare, of course, being acquired by Microsoft and seeing what they've done with Sea of Thieves since the launch of it to where it is now. I think that's a game that everybody gets excited about. If you've played it or if you've tried it, you know the fun that can be had. And so to see what Everwild looked like, how that grabbed people with that different kind of tone, but also, you know, piecing together the puzzle of like, well, what is this game or what do we think it could be? And the idea of taking, in my mind, what would have been Sea of Thieves, put it on land with these mythical creatures and allowing you to maybe tame them and go save the, you know, the forest, the nature, that would have been something that really spoke to me. I was kind of in to the idea. And over time I said, well, what the heck is this game and when are we going to learn more? And it seems like they just weren't ready for it or there was a change in the tone. When I think about showing it too early, I don't know. You know, I like being shown the games. I like being excited about it. I like following the dev diaries, but I also don't like sitting around for a year to a year and a half and just losing all contact with what is going on over there. Mm. This might have been a victim of one of those. You know, I hear the term vaporware a lot around this title in particular, and we'll see if that becomes it. I think when I think of Rare, I personally look at Xbox's portfolio and say, man, I'd really love this team to do a Banjo-Kazooie. We need that mascot 3D platformer that's family-friendly. But Everwild grabbed my attention. A little sad to see it put on the back burner and see where they go from there. Yeah, evidently they're expecting more of a 2024 release date now for Everwild because it's kind of going back to ground zero. Christian, same question to you. Do you think that Everwild and games like this are shown too early, or is that maybe a tool that prompts some of these reboots when they these companies can show something publicly, get a sense for what people expect from it, and then realize, oh, that's not the game we're making. Maybe we need to change that. Yes, this is the short answer. I, I think yes to all of those. And I think sometimes games aren't revealed early, and they still need to go back to the drawing board. Uh, making <laughs> games is very hard. You show it, you're like, hey, we're ready for this. Uh, Skull and Bones, you know, I'm assuming, and a lot of people assumed, it's kind of built on the back of, was it Assassin's Creed 4? You know, like Assassin's Creed launch game of last gen. It's like, oh, we're taking the pirates from that. That's great. It's going to be great. And then it's like, no, you know, it's been a very long time. Making games is very hard, getting all the pieces coming together. I don't, think it's often the case that devs are like let's show this game early get some feedback see if we need to blow it up you know i I imagine they're doing a lot of that internally before it gets greenlit and hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on something i don't know you know studio turmoil creative leads leaving or there being other issues with the with people on and higher ups potentially or maybe they did have a creative vision but other things in the office weren't great or maybe people retire. You know, I, I think game development is very difficult and there are a lot of moving parts. And I, to me, I think the more amazing thing is that any game ever comes out. <laughs> it's, know, true. Like- it's true. It's <laughs> true. Um, you know, we, we've adopted something on another of my podcasts, the Slash Filmcast. We've adopted something uh, at the end of every review. We always 
or Dave Chen now always says, you know, at the end of the day, isn't it amazing that someone made a movie? We yeah. say that at the end of every review, because it's true. It's like, no matter how much you hate something or it came up short of your expectations or whatever, it's extraordinary that something was finished. You know, it's a, it's a huge undertaking to make a thing. Now, that said, as much as I agree with you that game development is hard and it takes a lot of moving parts, sometimes it feels like that should be the reason why some of these things aren't shown publicly so early. For example, we know from postmortems on Anthem, for example, that they showed the game publicly or they showed a teaser of what they thought the game was and then everybody went bananas for it, including me. And they went back after showing that and went, okay, I guess we got to make that now. Because they hadn't. They hadn't made anything. They had just shown this idea, this concept. I had no idea how any of it was going to work. or they, they hadn't started building it. And so they went, oh, man, everybody's all so excited. I guess we should make that. Uh, perhaps my – I would posit that – Maybe knowing how hard things are and how unpredictable game design is, maybe we sort our ducks in a row before trotting them out in front of the audience. Well, Mike, while you, you pause it, I would skip it. And the very best part of all <laughs> is the counter on the ball. So let's skip it. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, it, you know, Jeff, that's funny you say that. We had Pete Hines on and Aaron Greenberg on the kind of funny X cast with myself in Paris and, you know, it's really cool to listen to them and hear what they have to say about their roles and what they look at with games. And the roadmap is what Pete brought up, right? Of like, he brought up Starfield and perfect from GameSpot to Moore Hussein had the interview beforehand. And he was like, hey, you kind of opened up Pandora's box now and we want to know about it. Like, what's next, right? And he looked at him and he said, well, we always have the roadmap, right? Once I unveil the game, we know where we need to hit it from here, right? And so... The moment that you let it out, I think said so well by Pete is like, now you look at it and you say, okay, what's next? What's the roadmap? Where are we going to be? And sure, we'd like to show more, but it's just not that time yet. And maybe Everwild just didn't have that roadmap ready to go. Maybe, you know, with that leave of the creative director, it looks like things just kind of went off the rails there and they needed a reset. So it is too bad, but I would have liked to see where we would have gone after that last XO uh, presentation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that I wish more, I, I understand the, I, the desire to wow us. We're, we're sitting here before E3 every, every year going, Oh God, they got to show us the new cool, the new cool, the new cool. What, what's unexpected. What's surprising. Uh, I think Pete Hines and the team at Bethesda are very smart and not showing things for so long and waiting and waiting and waiting and then going, okay, here's the game. It's coming out in six months or, you know, even with Starfield, they gave us the release date and they showed us very, very little. And I think that's smart. I think it's very, very smart. I think once you've you locked a lot of things down, the game is getting very close to, to release. You're kind of working on bug fixes. Then you can show people because then you don't, you're not going to have to apologize later for taking something out or changing something. Well, I, I do. Modern Bethesda, we've heaped a bunch of praise on, but they also have suffered from delays and scope changes and sure. Fallout 76s and you know they're yeah. not without game dev is hard you know oh and certainly I, I don't mean to I suggest otherwise another kind of part of this I wonder uh having not run a game studio is what you need to say publicly to fans to keep them invested in your uh, marketplace and in your console space and stuff like that and also 
to have it come out the way you want to talk about it versus being in an investor relations memo where it's like, and rare is working on Everwild, which will be, and it's like, then you, cause you have to get some stuff out for investors and for other parts of your business that I think sometimes you see some of those reveals in that manner. Uh, and they, they do the big public splash to make it fun and exciting and have people go buy an Xbox. And and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, what I found fascinating post E3 now isn't ever wild or things that weren't shown. It's how Microsoft has doubled down advertising now. And I've been watching, like I said before show, a lot of basketball. And Microsoft is not advertising Halo. They're not advertising Forza. They're not advertising any game. They're advertising Game Pass. It's a smart not thing. Even advertising a console. It's They're the killer app. Game Pass. And so in our chat, G-Save said earlier, uh, as we talked about the Creative Controller Xbox Design Lab, Xbox don't care if you're playing your iPad with that controller. That's a right. place where you can get a really well-made controller to look just the way you want it and play Xbox games just about anywhere. That's the story of E3, is how they continue to do yeah. that more and more. Yeah, no, it's a killer app, for sure. And they're smart to double down on it, of course. All right, well, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist. All right, Mike, what is on your playlist this week? My playlist, as usual, is all over the place because I like to primarily play multiplayer games with my friends. So we are never afraid to jump all over the place, try a game throw it in the trash over an hour and go back to something different. So I have some fun ones that I definitely will recommend, but I want to start off with the one that's really captured me. And I think might be one of the stories for me, three for me was Ratchet and Clank. I think it came out at the perfect time here in uh, the down of summer and Insomniac is back at it again with an absurdly incredible radical video game. I mean, this is one where it just takes your breath away with the visuals the gameplay, you can see all of the foundation from all their different games put into this with so much love and care, and it's just so much fun. And this is what I'm always looking for. It's just a fun game that you can show anyone and everyone, and they're all going to probably look at you and say, damn, that's a fun game. Boy, you're so right. I love how you call it a video game. You know, It really is a video game, right? Well, obviously, everything we talk about here is video games. But this one just, it's just video game. It's just pure chaotic fun, jumping, traversing, sliding, shooting. It it really doesn't, it it doesn't care about anything other than injecting fun into the screen as much as possible. And Russian Clank has always been that, the, the wonderful wacky weapons. This game has them in spades as well. Uh, it does. It does tell a story. I, it's not that it doesn't tell a story, and the story's fun. I'm very close to the end. I don't want the game to end. I've been doing all the side stuff as much as possible, revisiting certain areas, going back with my ship, and flying around to different planets. Uh, it's not a super long game, but it is so concentrated with fun times, going fast and flipping around there's a there's a, a a planet where you're fighting this giant robot and spinning around its head and sliding all around it it's like these wonderful set pieces built with every single firefight being a blast to play hard to find anything not to like it looks gorgeous it plays so smoothly especially at the 60 frames 
setting. Uh, which setting are you playing it on, Mike? I'm actually playing it on the 4K mode. I'm actually yeah? I'm playing it at 30 frames, and I've really elevated my gameplay with 60 to 120 now over on the Xbox for a lot of my first-person shooters. But this is just something where it still feels good. It just yeah. feels great, and it looks great. And I, I wanted to do half and then jump to the other half and try out the 60, but I've just been immersed in it. I haven't stopped playing it. I haven't found any problems with it, and I've just enjoyed every moment of what I'm looking at. Yeah, it's it's so fun. Some of the customization stuff they've added is really a, a fun. So much detail in every little thing. It's it's great. It's great. incredible voice acting. Yes. Hard to find anything to uh, to criticize about Ratchet and Clank. It's it's clearly a game of the year contender for me. Yeah, um, look yeah. forward to the end of the year. See what people have to say about this, and if it remains up near yeah. the top. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you've also been playing a game I know a lot of people are into, a Chivalry 2. Yeah. Wow. Jeff, this came out of nowhere, right? <laughs> I didn't know about Chivalry 1. Uh, you know, me and my friends, like I said, we're jumping all over the place. I want to explore and play different multiplayer games with them, whether they be shooters or puzzle games or games like Overcooked, where we yell at each other at the end of the day. And I'll tell you, I saw Chivalry and I said, okay. Oh, wow. I think we all need to play this. And everybody got it on Steam. We jumped into a game and it became multiplayer madness cranked up to 11. It's just fun, dumb, good times, medieval settings, hack and slash short play with 32 on 32 people. And it's just wild the situations you can be put in. One game, we're playing a push like situation from Battlefield where it takes 37 minutes. The other game, we're in the smallest. Gladiator Verena I've ever seen with 32 on 32 and the game took three and a half minutes. It was just wild. <laughs> the different experiences we get supposedly Greg Miller's in the game. I'm not looking for him because he's a jabroni who I listen to all the time, but he's in the game as well. So I, I got to go find him eventually. It, I loved watching the, uh, the developer interviews that were coming out around E3 with chivalry Two because they put out a bunch of stuff and uh, it really seems like this labor of love for that team. They all really believe in the project uh, this uh, this kind of little little engine that could game that a lot of people are playing now, and it, it really is kind of just doing doing this large scale medieval battle uh, in a way that nobody else has quite done. Right? It's a unique experience, is is what you're saying, right, Mike? It's really unique. You can feel the impact of the sword or the axe as you hit somebody else. You can chop people's limbs off and all of a sudden they're running around with one arm and you're <laughs> laughing and you're having fun with your friends help, yelling for help. And it is definitely a love letter. It looks like this team was down about the idea and they continue to push forward and really created something cool, which is impressive nowadays, right? I think a lot of people fall into, oh, we got to have that team hero shooter. We got to be an arena. We got to be a battle royale. And this was something where it's like, no, we're going to be completely different, and you're going to like swinging around an axe, and I do like it a lot. So yeah. I really encourage people to go check it out. Chivalry 2. Christian, have you uh, had any experience with Chivalry 2? I have not. I've gotten close, again, for the same reasons that Mike mentioned, of friends being like, we got to just, just jump in, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, uh, okay, and then I'll sit down. Like, oh, we've moved on. We're back in Valheim. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Save me the 30 bucks or whatever. Or I guess it's Game Pass, right? Yeah? Uh, no. Thirty not, not Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. I just assume everything is now. Uh, but I do love, and and I've heard the devs talk some about it. Where it is, it seems like it can be both played very serious, 
but also it's very self-aware for how unserious a lot of the matches go where it's just like it allows for and accepts that zaniness in a way that I think, and I hope this next one does as well, but in the way that battlefield has in the past where it's like, you can play battlefield with a crew who runs it tight, or you can play battlefield. Like as they showcased in the trailer, as you rocket launch out of an airplane, take out and then land back in your airplane and chivalry yeah. two very much feels like that where it's like, Oh no, we're going to squat up. You're going to be the infantry. We're going to follow back with our commanders back here or you can just run, and I, I, you can find Greg. He's shirtless with a Spider-Man mask on. It's out of place for the medieval times, <laughs> but you know that's what he wanted. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this looks like tons of fun, and I guess they're, they're describing it as a, a first-person slasher or something. It's first-person striker. I don't know. But basically, the idea of, of taking that aesthetic of this crazy thirty-two-person uh, first-person shooter. And doing it with swords. And I think that's not easy to pull off. And it sounds like they've done a great job. Really cool. Chivalry 2. Christian, I know that uh, you and I both went down the rabbit hole of Summer Next Fest demos. Uh, I guess, what, some insane number of demos went up for Summer Next Fest? Wait, mine were mostly uh, Xbox demos. I did not oh, dive yeah? into the Steam. Xbox had what oh. forty or 60, 60 games on there, and then I'll say, and then one I was invited to do the hands-on with Ali Ali World, which was its own um, its own thing. But we can start wherever you want, my friend. Go go for it. I mean, I I saw some of the same games that I had, I had played, and I assumed that you were on uh, Summer Next Fest. But I guess uh, tell me about your Xbox demos. Some of them, yeah, some of them overlap, but I will start with um, Tunic because that's one that doesn't overlap. And yeah. this is a new demo. I played it on Xbox as part of the Summer Games Fest demos. I stopped playing it before I finished the demo because I wanted to save it for the full experience. I think this game, and it's always looked special, I think it's going to be a very special game. If I had to summarize it in like a log line or it's this plus that it's links awaken meets dark souls maybe like <laughs> i mean some of the some of the boss encounters are well i don't know i mean i mean i think you just described below too below had that sort of same mashup yeah. of styles yeah mike did you, did you jump into this demo at all I have not jumped into this demo. I was going to bring up a different demo for you all, but I have seen a lot of it. I watched Andy Cortez play the demo, so yeah. I'm quite familiar with this one, and it's big on my list. It's it's beautiful, and it captures that you know Link's Awakening feel of kind of just wandering around in a really big way, and it has that isometric view, a beautiful graphic style to it, and no words at all. It's just, well, again, in the demo, and I believe they've said that, uh, in the full game as well. So you go into a signpost and it's just kind of gibberish, but then like with an arrow pointing left, I guess I'm going to go left. And, and, and like, sometimes there'll be a sign in there. It's like a sword etched into a thing. Like, Oh, I get a sword if I go left, but kind of the emergent storytelling and world building that goes into this world where you're not reading, like every hero takes a journey. And on that journey, it brings them to the windward falls. And you're like, Oh, I go to the waterfall, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a signpost. I know what that means. I'm going to follow it this way. It's all the context battles, clues. Yeah. Yeah. And the battles are really fun. Uh, I think the demo period is over as you're listening to this, but I highly recommend um, Tunic, uh, the full game when it comes out and it should be a game pass game. Um, yeah. Tunic. Yeah. It's it, again, <laughs> game pass game. So cool. Game pass game. 
Um, I'll talk about the other one that was not a uh, one of these summer fest things. I got invited to do the Ali Ali World um, hands-on demo. Ali Ali is a franchise that I have loved for a very long time. I played it on Vita, the first and second. It is a side-scrolling 2D skateboarding game that is trick-focused and heavy, where you're using the dual analog sticks to either do your grabs or your spins and then kind of push to keep your momentum going. And so as opposed to the Tony Hawk franchise where you're free roaming through this 3D environment, Ollie Ollie has kind of had you going left to right and hitting all of these things almost in an endless runner style, but you can end. <laughs> you know, you fall and you bloody yourself on the on the sidewalk or <laughs> you fall off a cliff and you have to restart your run. And it's a lot of score-based challenges. What Ollie Ollie World brings to the table is uh, one a whole new graphical style that is just looks like it's out of a comic book or, or a, you know a, a cartoon, just beautiful graphic style that's very different than kind of that pixel art or super NES style for the first two games, and then kind of this story of you're the new kid in town and it's not a real world at all. The first two games you're clearly doing fantastical things, but it's very much grounded in skateboarding. You might be grinding on a rail on the top of a building but it's still a rail on a building here in Ollie Ollie world. There's like floating ghosts uh, or like fish that are gulping through the air. And it's just like totally whimsical. And that creativity allows the worlds uh, to feel very unique and to bring new things to the table than what you'd see in just a standard skating game that needs to be grounded to some type of reality. And then there's story as you're progressing as this newcomer, you interact with the other skaters in the gang and kind of those personalities come out and then it's expanded with multiple routes. So the first game is just kind of trick attack, right? You're kind of going left to right, trying to do your high scores or whatever here. You've got to do the runs multiple times to see, Oh, I missed that. What's what's left. I gotta, I gotta go up. I gotta just take this other route and see experience that. So it adds a lot of replayability Man, I was high on this game uh, when they just announced it, and now having played through levels on the first two worlds, I think it is, I am so stoked for Ali Ali World. It looks incredible. It sounds great. I love the new art style. The only little nick I can give it, and I'd attribute it to the demo, to be honest, um, playing on PC, there were a few like frame rate hitches during the cutscenes. It's like the character is like, hey, it, it, just like a little, it seemed like a little load hitch as I kind of came in and out of those cutscenes. But when I was in the game itself, silky smooth, the creativity to the levels. Oh, I'm so, I'm so stoked for Ali Ali World. I'm so glad it's coming back. It's that franchise where like, one more run, you know, like, I'm in the, I'm in yeah. the, I'm in the heel flip. Oh, and you just, you want to run it back and you get those quick reloads back into the level. Keep an eye out for this It does feel game. like this, the, what they've done to push this, franchise forward is super exciting sometimes you get a, a sequel they're trying to move something you liked into a new realm and it's like ah, i just kind of liked what you did before but this to me feels like a really exciting progression for what this game can do i, what, I really what have think you do it's i mean no game appeals to everyone but i really think that this game is becoming that sequel uh, in a way that does appeal to a broader audience without leaving behind the people who loved the franchise before. It's not like, and now it's a cart racer, <laughs> you yeah. know, like the, the dual analog trick system is still there and it becomes very difficult if you want it to be, but it also has this really cool just story it's telling and level progression where it almost feels like a platformer. I think a lot of people are going to experience the Ollie Ollie franchise for the first time with this game. I think they're going to love it. So do we know a, a release date for Ollie Ollie World? winter 
Mm. Winter. All right. Cool. What else? What else have you been trying? Well, we can co-talk about this one. Uh, we both played Sable. I played it on yeah. Xbox. I'm imagining you played it on PC. Uh, PC. Yeah, I did. Sable. Yeah. If I had to do like the it's this meets that, it's like Destiny meets Zelda Overworld, and like just the aesthetic of <laughs> Destiny. Like I feel like I'm on my my speeder, but you know, it's like yeah, you are on your speeder bike a lot. Yeah. What I was drawn to Sable from the first time I saw it was the art style. It looks like a a hand-drawn comic book. You know, it looks like Mike Mignola drew it or somebody like that. You know, it's it's um really interesting version of cell shading that doesn't look like other cell shaded games. Uh, maybe it's not even technically cell shaded, but it's it's got that look where it seems like a sketch come to life and the animation is sort of purposefully herky-jerky so that it looks like uh, an, uh, like a sketchbook. You're flipping through a sketchbook as you play it. Um, just a gorgeous look. Just so unique and different. So I knew it. I was I got to play this game. And the demo is pretty cool. Um, it establishes the world. It lets you run around this big open world on your cool speeder bike. Um what did you think of it, Christian? I I think it it seems a little more slow paced and serene than either of the games you just referenced. I know I, that's why I said like a Zelda overworld. It's like exploration. Yeah. It's like go here to get that, but I don't think you ever battle Ganon. I don't I don't know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Really cool sense of exploration. There were times where I felt that purposeful animation. You know, this is not 120 frames per second, right? I mean, if it is, it, they're purposely stuttering your character. Oh, yeah. They're definitely leaving frames out. So it looks like that, like yeah. a sketchbook, like a flip book or something. Yeah. yeah. I felt that to be a – there were a few platforming or traversal sections where I, I felt the camera kind of pulled me the wrong way and my character's not smooth movement was a little disjointed um, than I otherwise would have liked. But I loved my time in the world – I think assuming it's as big as it feels, it is a game where you can kind of just get lost. Um, uh, T-O-C-U in the chat is saying, I get a journey vibe. I think it definitely has the potential for that. Yeah. To like kind of just come into this world and experience it. And there's not, you know, enemies breathing down your neck. Um, yeah. It does it, feel it really like a game about like, discovery and exploration. Yeah. And and I'm into that stuff for sure. Yeah. And it's so pretty. It's so pretty. So, so pretty. Then the only other game, my friends, on my playlist... I thought I would be done with Ratchet and Clank by now. Uh, but that was until, as we were recording this on Father's Day, uh, my wife surprised the crap out of me with by far the biggest Father's Day gift, both in size and probably in cost, that there's ever been for me. Normally we like go to dinner and I get ice cream. Um, she got me a pinball table. And honest to God, it looks so big in a house, you guys. Like you see them in an <laughs> arcade. That's what I do. Need. I need, we need a bigger boat. Uh, her idea to put it in the living room. It is where it like, I have it next to my Pac-Man. Right there. It means you, you, you have a, a amazing wife. Dude, pinball, like, pinball table in the living room. Come on. All I wanted. I told Impossible. you this. All I wanted for father's day was for her to listen to an episode of this show after eight years. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, uh, well, she took the easier route. <laughs> the less painful route was to buy you a pinball table and put it in the living room. Here's this pinball table. I was like, where are we going to put this? She's like, I don't know. I think right here. So I have yeah, my Wonder Woman 84 things, poster. One of those things has a lot of uh, harsh sounds repeated over and over and over again. And the other is a pinball table. 
One of those has the Spice Man and hurts my eardrums. <laughs> the other one is a pinball table. So it's a Star Wars Stern, uh, Star Wars Pro pinball table, real deal. I had been looking at, and I'm not knocking these, but I had been looking at like the arcade one up, like digital. St- I love, I love the Zen pinball tables. I'd been kind of looking at those. And I had no idea this was coming. She didn't ask. It wasn't like, hey, I want let's get a pinball table. What do you like? Like, let's pick some of these. It was a distributor, you know, in the area I had to help truck it in. Cause again, anyway, I was blown away, very surprised and shocked. And I'm very lucky and I love my wife uh, a whole bunch. Uh, but not as much as I love this game, you guys. This game yeah, is seriously. So <laughs> it's so and I'll make a few purists mad now of like home pin owners. Like we are using it coin op. I've reduced it so it's only one quarter to play. I know some people, the collectors out there, you turn it on free play so a coin never has to grace it and scratch the coin bin or whatever. Um, but my girls like that physicalness. You know, we have a bowl of quarters out and you go and get one and put it in. And it's a fantastic table. It plays fast. The play space, the front is pretty wide open, um, but there's it's pretty complex in terms of understanding the game. Uh, and how to best high score. I haven't spent a lot of time reading about the various loops and how to trip and do everything. Kind of want to just work on my keeping the ball alive skills on it. Um, so I think I'm at 550 million is my high, high score right now, which is like better than the preloaded table high score. So I feel good about that. Um, but that's why I have not finished Ratchet and Clank yet. I have been... You're just bringing this up to brag about your pinball score that we have no context no. for? No, no, no. My, it's better than the preloaded high score. I cannot better than wait the preloaded high score. Okay. I cannot <laughs> wait to have a friend over. I have a friend who's like a pinball wizard that will put a score on the table for me to chase. Nice. Um, but man, it's it's beautiful and it's all it's the original trilogy artwork, sound effects, uh, video clips. It's real fun. It's real fun. That's amazing, man! Congratulations! What a cool cool yeah. thing that no one else can play. You. Well, you can. Pl- I invited you over. Oh, I'll play it. I'm going to play. I'm just meeting our listeners. You know, they can play it. Is that a lot of? I mean, bars are open again. Go find the, the Stern Pinball Star Wars table, and they, they might have. They come in three tiers. There's like the Pro, the Premium, and then the Limited Edition. And like the Pro adds a um, a Hyperloop. I mean, sorry, the Premium adds a Hyperloop and like an opening Death Star. My Death Star is just kind of green LED with the light that comes out. My um, Death Star, he says. So you know, my my death star, the, we all have the worst. The worst part about this, Christian, is that your wife will never hear this episode. She'll she'll never know uh, how much joy her gift is bringing you. You know, you know I told her I was like, I guess this is cool. Um, so I <laughs> I let her, all I heard is an invitation to remodel our garage to build it out to now put. You can't just have one pin yeah. in your house, you know. You're real, has, lucky, you're real lucky that Mother's Day comes before Father's Day, right? Because you the bar has been raised no we picked strawberries and that's what she wanted to do (laughs) almost exactly the same dude Uh, you can't you can't just own one pinball machine you know it's so anyway i'm in debt uh now and this is where i live (laughs) all right well there were a ton of other summer next fest demos uh that i played including sable i i'm not gonna have time to talk about that i mean there was it was in the hundreds how many demos were available. I played in the dozens. I'm going to pick out my favorites to talk about. Uh, Sable certainly on that list of favorites. Uh, the game, one of the games I came away from the Microsoft press conference abuzz. I think it was Microsoft. Maybe it was Summer Games Fest. I don't even remember where I saw this game. One of the games I saw last week that I was super excited about, I mentioned on the show, was a game called Mecha Jammer. 
And there was a that was a demo for that game in the Summer Next Fest. So I was super excited to download it and try it out. It did not disappoint. This is a pixel art cyberpunk turn-based role-playing game. So all of the words in that sentence are my jam. The all of the words in that sentence, every single word in that sentence in it of itself would make me excited. Put them together, I'm super into it. Um and it's it's really cool. It's got this dark the tone is a little darker than I would have hoped for perhaps, but it, it feels like a real crunchy role-playing game with a lot of numbers going on. Uh, and sounds like a pinball table, really crunchy, a lot of numbers going yeah, on. Over yeah. there. That's uh, all I hear now. <laughs> it, I love how the combat works. The, the, it is turn-based, but you, as you fire your weapon or as you do anything, as you move, the the time it takes are broken up to, into chunks, right? It, the time it takes for you to do something is a chunk of time. And when you tell your character to do that thing, everything else in the environment spends that amount of time. So shooting your gun and then all of the enemies on the screen are moving one chunk's worth of time closer to you or in position. It, it, the effect is really cool because it's not like a lot of turn-based games where you're just waiting for everything to happen you i did my turn now the enemy first enemy's turn second enemy's turn third enemy which kind of grinds everything to a halt it's really cool that it all happens in that same action unit temporal unit of time you know of of uh of turn-based action it's it's pretty slick i really dig it and uh, i can't wait to play the full game it seems like a really big deep role-playing game uh, with interesting characters and coolly written dialogue, lots of dialogue choices, big old like portraits that come up on the screen when you're talking. It's kind of neat. Mecha Jammer is what it's called. Uh, then the other one, I think maybe my number one game I played from Summer Next Fest demos is a game called Dodgeball Academia, uh, which is just delightful. It is a role-playing game built around kids at a school that play dodgeball. And I have always loved placing role-playing mechanics on just a modern day average setting. You know, the, the South park games did that. Um, uh, what is the, what is the game that's set in the uh, Shiboyu district of Tokyo? Oh, they're remaking it right now. Persona. No, it was on, Dis- it was on DS. Persona is that kind of as well, but um, but there's a lot of fantasy elements in Persona. I like. I love it when it's just like here's the world, the world ends with as, you. Was kind of yes. The world the ends world with you. That's what I was thinking of. World ends with you. Um, anyway, so that's that the t-shirt, idea here. That t-shirt guy in Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the idea here is it's just it's it's kids at a school, and the, your quest is like who wrote you a love note? Go find out who it is. Or and along the way, kids are like, I challenge you a dodgeball, and you're like. Okay, and all the fights are dodgeball matches. And sometimes it's one-on-one, sometimes it's teams of three. And the way you control it is is really smart and slick. You, you're controlling all three people at once. You you can charge up super moves. You can catch the, the dodgeball. I mean, I've been playing so much Knockout City. This feels very uh, in line with that. It's like, what if Knockout City, but role-playing game? Is it, so is it turn-based or real-time combat? No, it's when you real-time go into combat. The- you're you're in these little mini arcade games where you're playing dodgeball. The bad guy sh- uh, throws a dodgeball at you. If you time your button press at the right time, you can catch it. But if you don't, you know you'll take damage. You have a health meter that goes down as you're, you get smacked. 
And if you play the three on three matches, each character has individual health and you can, you can switch, which is the main character you're controlling, but you move all three as a unit. So if the ball is coming, you actually have to dodge all three people from the ball or try to maneuver one in position to catch it. Um, and there's, you know, super moves where, you know, you'll throw a dodge or you'll throw a ball and it'll like spin in a circle, which makes it harder to dodge. Really clever, very well implemented. I love the aesthetic of the game. It's this big, bright, colorful, cartoony world with squat little uh, characters running around in it. It looks very like Steven Universe to me, yes. kind of art great, style. Great comparison. Yes. Uh, it is really fun, really fun. You know, you're collecting uh, items like soda pop that is, gives you health and, you know, a, a better T-shirt or a skateboard or something. Soda that pop you- does not give you health. Do not give that to Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo? Ronaldo. I can't say his name properly. Ray Naldo. Soccer guy. So- Did anyone know? Soccer no one reference, everybody. Well, he had a press conference in the Euro I and know. they put Coke in front of him and he was like, no, drink water. And then Coke Smart. lost $4 billion of market value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a video game. Uh, <laughs> also good for your health. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Have you seen this at all, Mike? The Dodgeball Academia? Did you get a glimpse of this? That caught my eye and attention, and you selling it actually got me way more excited than I was because we are coming hot off of Knockout City, which I've been having so much fun with, right? So and fun. when I saw that turn more into like a story type RPG. I was like, do I want the slowdown? Because I like how fast knockout city is, but you describing that uh, got me excited and I love the look of it. So yeah, I'm now going to circle that and check it out. Yeah, you should. I think you'll dig it. The, the fights are still very fast paced and fun uh, because it's not, it's not turn-based at all. It, it's still these little arcade mini games with a lot of, actually a lot of strategy. There's uh, this mechanic where you, in order to charge up your super move, you have to focus each character will focus and focusing is holding down a button and staying in one place. And you charge up, you know, super sign style, like with like stuff glowing on you. But the last thing you want to do in a dodgeball game is stand in one place and not move. Right. Cause then the dodgeball comes right at you. So it's this wonderful push, uh, you know, push your luck idea of, okay, how long can I make this character stand in one place before the ball smacks him in the face and it, and it knocks him both out of his focus and losing some health. Um, so it's got really smart, simple mechanics that make each fight really dynamic and fun, really exciting and, and actually have some strategy, which is, you know, it's not easy to do with the quick little mini games like that. Um, super fun, super fun. Dodgeball Academia is what it is called. Uh, and it is, I think one of the games I'm most excited about. Um, the other game that I have been playing this week, which has actually been released and breaking the mold, breaking the mold of video games was released early. They moved up the release date of so Rogue you're saying, Book. You're saying you're wrong. You're saying Rogue Book proved you wrong and you mm. no longer get any points for your prediction. Is, uh, that, is that what I heard? I'm pretty sure I called this one too somehow. Um, no, Rogue Book came out uh, a week early, I think. Uh, this is the game... I talked about this game uh, when I played a demo of it several months ago. This is the game that was uh, designed by uh, Richard Garfield, the guy who designed Magic the Gathering and kind of created uh, trading card games. And this is a, a card-based 
roguelike that is got some really sh- i mean it is utterly gorgeous this game beautiful art beautiful art so much vibrant the idea it's called rogue book and the idea is that it is a storybook that unfolds and you play on the pages of a storybook that you literally have to paint in order to see the next bit of it so there's these these squares that are clouded with fog of war and the way you uncover what's on the square is by beating match winning matches winning fights and looting paint for your paintbrush that you can then paint on the surface of this book the pages of this book to uncover what is hidden by the fog of war and the the fights are really cool it's it's card based multiple characters in your party um you know very standard stuff is in terms of the way it all works but the the idea here is that most card based games like this slay the spire etc 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 the goal is to improve the quality of your deck by getting more powerful cards and then removing the less powerful cards so that when you draw cards out of your deck you're only getting the more powerful cards that's how all of these games work is get better cards and then cull your deck reduce the cards that are in it that are bad so that Every time you draw cards, it's only the best ones. Rogue Book's whole design philosophy is to never call the deck, never remove cards, only get more. And it's so pretty it's like fascinating. As a kid and every other deck builder game was my parents after I moved out. Like, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. You've got too many cards. You need to get rid of these. I kept um, buying them, buying them, buying them. And they were like, you got to get rid of them. And I was like, no, mom, trust me. When these two YouTubers become pro boxers, this is going to be worth a lot of money. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's really interesting how that works and how it's able to to create that. But it's it's actually a I find that that process of removing cards from my deck to not be very fun, not be very satisfying. It doesn't feel good to like. Ooh, the cool special thing I get to do is to lose something that I worked hard to earn in the first place. That's weird because in Slay the Spire and games of that ilk, lots of games like it, you'll get to a level up place or a, a node that lets you do something special. And one of the things you get to do is remove a card from your deck. And it's like, well, I know that that is strategically advantageous, but it sure doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like a special perk to like lose something. So the idea of Rogue Book is that you never lose anything and you just constantly get more and more powerful in it. It actually works pretty well. I'm having a blast with it. It's so pretty. Um, it is a roguelike, though. And I I find it to be um, very stingy on the get health back parts uh. of it. You know? And I find myself wanting to explore every nook and cranny of a page and find all of the fights and do all of the fights. But you really have to choose your battles, literally. And go to the end of a level perhaps earlier than you would want because you just your your health as a resource is dwindling with every fight and it's hard to get out of fights without losing a little of it so um maybe i'm just not that good that's certainly a possibility <laughs> but uh, i'm having a lot of fun with rogue book it is in, certainly in my wheelhouse as the kind of game i love and just take a look at a screenshot from it it is so pretty so it's so really- so pretty 
It's really pretty. Um, if we may, and Mike, not to put you on the spot, uh, as someone who's been fortunate to have the time to watch a good amount of your content and get to see you playing both on Twitch and the stuff on kind of funny as well and, and hanging out with those guys. Um, you know, you mentioned on this show as well, like you look for those games with friends, you know, hanging out with your buddies, playing those games. And I'm curious if you have a thing, cause I haven't heard you kind of talk about this yet. Like Warzone is is a kind of a stalwart, but like, what did you look forward to? Like the hook, what pulls you back? Like knockout city, clearly new hotness. Everybody kind of fell in love with it. They made it free to a lot of people and that pulled people in. But like, what's your, you know, I guess like, what's your cheese pizza? What do you look for in that thing that keeps you so hooked into something like Warzone and maybe made Fortnite not click so much? Because there are a multitude of what I call golf games, which are fun to play. You're basically hanging out with your buddies, but I don't see you rounding up the crew to go play No Man's Sky or... So some of them are cheese pizza. Yes. Some of them are golf. Yes, what, what, I'm, like, I'm, I'm so trying. Finally, to this Jeff the, was listening to me. Thank you. Uh, I feel like it was a mistake. I, I paid attention this time. <laughs> Sorry, I'll what, turn off the how, pinball you, table so it's really you're loud. Saying, what is your cheese? Your cheese pizza is the game. Is the thing that brings you back? No, no, no. Plain like, ass the thing you, cheese the, pizza. You go to the standard. It's okay. always oh, good. Oh, I see. I see. oh, the standard that's always good. Let me rephrase good. it. Let me, Mike, I got. Let me rephrase it. When you look for your game, what is your Christian Spicer on a podcast versus mm, yes. Jeff ruining everything on his gotcha, shows. Gotcha, like what, gotcha, gotcha. what are you looking for? You know, like what, what are those hooks that kind of keep pulling you back to one versus the other? You know, the hook for me is competition. Actually, that's the biggest one for me. I, I'll give it two sides. So the first side is kind of the big push of like getting my friends to buy in and really like that. We have a strong group of about eight kids that are always together through thick and thin every single night on discord. And so we do like those larger scale games that can uphold eight in a lobby, which is very hard to find, but you know, a lot of my friends will play a game. They'll like it. They'll love it or they'll drop off of it. And so it is a juggle to try to appease eight different people and see what they really like. But for me, my hooks have always been competition. And I think that comes from halo two way back in the day. I love that competitive nature. I love seeing the rank go up, right? And I think the creation of Battle Royales really sunk deep into me, right? That only one team is walking away from this and you're going to know if you win it, right? I love that. And I think it also has those only in Battlefield moments, only in Battle Royale moments is what I like to call it. So I've played so much Halo in my day to Halo to Overwatch and I feel like I'm always stuck in the same arena, doing the same loop, doing the same circle, looking for those power weapons. And so when Battle Royales came out, I loved PUBG and being on that giant map. I loved going to Fortnite and exploring Pleasant Park, the Tilted Towers. And right now, I really love Call of Duty. I mean, Call of Duty and Fall Guys were my two favorite games of 2020. I played them, I think I'm 24 full days into Call of Duty Battle Royale. And I believe I'm 400 hours into Fall Guys. And that was just strictly from the competition being and driven to be number one. And I love Call of Duty because every single time we play, my friends will ask me, Mike, how can you play six hours of this? And I just love that every single time we drop, it's different. Every single time we go to the next movement, the next point of interest, it's different. And being kind of the leader of the group and the shot caller, I love that pressure and that feeling of bringing up the map and trying to see where we are. Where's the circle going to rotate? Trying to call out to my friends to stay close or go left or right while also shooting at people and hoping that we survive. And 
that's what's got the hook into me of that feeling of like fight or flight, you're going to win or you're going to lose and you're going to feel it. And that's, that's the gameplay I'm looking for all the time. I love that. Awesome, man. I love hearing that. You guys hit on it a little bit on XCast and everybody, if you haven't should go watch Paris's, you know, the more Microsoft conference. Uh, And they talked about it on that some and, 343 gave us a little more on on Halo, but specifically their kind of their take on the battle pass now where it's like it doesn't expire was kind of the big yes. headline for me from that where it's like, and you can choose to move on to this next one or keep grinding out this other one. Do you think Halo from what we've seen of it so far, um, you know, to put you in that yes, no corner? Do you think it has what it takes to to become that that game du jour for you? You know what? I think they have a really good chance, really good opportunity. So I'll, I'll start off with no, I actually don't think they have what it takes because I look at the market right now and I think it's more heavily based on battle royales. You can even see with Call of Duty, right? Ever since we came out with the Black Ops, which had blackout mode, I forget which one that was once, but I think that was the start of Call of Duty fans going, man, I really like this and this is where it's at. And now it's free to play. And so I think Halo has a good fighter's chance because they are going to free to play and anybody and everybody who has a PC or an Xbox can just jump on and download it at any time. And I think that's going to be a big one. But for me, it's battle royales are taking over the world. You look at it right now, Fortnite, Apex, Call of Duty Warzone are the biggest games on the planet. They are what is eating up the shooter landscape. We've evolved from the team arenas to the hero class shooters to now Everybody wants to be in the biggest, baddest mode. They want the chance to be number one, and they want to feel like every single game is different. And I think that's the only downfall for Halo for me of looking at Infinite, and yeah, I'm super excited, and I believe it will succeed and do well, but it's just going to be the same three months down the road where you either got it or you don't got it, and you're going to play the same arenas. And I worry that the fan base other than the diehards will die off quickly and go back to what they know, which is the Fortnites and the Call of Duty War Zones. So I was really hoping to see a Battle Royale. Didn't get that, which I'll take the loss for that. But I think they do have a big uphill battle not releasing with the Call of Duty Battle Royale type situation. It surprised me that neither Battlefield and they have said, yes, no mo- no Battle Royale. We have a mode for longtime fans to announce soon. But neither Battlefield nor Halo are touting a battle royale are coming that brought that to the table this e3 and i agree with you those are right now the biggest games in the planet and while apex is also trying to you know have their cake and eat it too and kind of do their valorant mode which is a, a wonderful i think other way to play that game i think that 3v3 um god i'm forgetting what they call that mode champions mode what is it uh, they're non-battle royale whatever yeah it is. the arena is what we call it yeah, yeah. It's really fun, but I was shocked that neither Battlefield nor Halo, and maybe Halo still will, but neither of them so far have announced a Battle Royale mode, especially with how Warzone is just... I mean, it's 100 gigs, and it sits on people's hard drives. You know, that's that's dedication. (laughs) It's a lot of dedication. It's funny you bring that up, because, you know, that's been the big speculation we've talked about on the X-Cast for so long, and I want to bring it back really quick to that Halo of the Battle Pass is a huge system, right? I think... A lot of people get burnt out on this. You spend 15 to $20, and if you're not playing like I am where you're playing six hours a night, you feel like sometimes you don't get the full you know, range of the battle pass. You don't get to complete that. You miss out on things, and they're doing a lot of player-friendly things that are going to be the right move to get people attached to Halo. It just seems to be missing that one key piece. They didn't talk about Warzone 2.0, which was their PvE, PvP-type situation, which was their large-scale mode. 
looks like they've moved away from that as well. But I think Battlefield, if we turn our attention to that, has the biggest uphill battle, right? They're coming off of two back-to-back World War II and World War I games. And the first one did really well. The second one, I think people just got burnt out on that. We've learned from Call of Duty they know better than to do two era set pieces. They know they got to go back to modern or futuristic. That's where people want to be. And so right now, Battlefield doesn't have the same name, the same lineage it did back in Battlefield 3 and 4 when those came out. And for them not to have a Battle Royale and charge $70 only for multiplayer, that's the one where I really keep my attention on of like, okay, how large is that player base going to be day one? How large will it be six months down the road, right? They've only shown off one out of the three modes. We didn't get a surprise Game Pass announcement, which I really thought was going to be the move there for EA. I wonder if we get that. I wonder if we get that in July at EA's kind of like. But also, have you noticed that there's like new record numbers for people playing Battlefield Four right now? Wow! Yeah, reinstalling (laughs) Battlefield Four. You know, so there's clearly a hunger there, a desire to play it. I think that was the hunger from Battlefield Three and Four. Right? I'm even one of those people that re-downloaded that. Shucks, I even bought it on PC when I owned it on Xbox just because I wanted to get back that feel right that modern feel that large open world sandbox shooter that they do so so well and it is really interesting to see man you have everything going right for you on the battlefield side everybody's exciting about the setting everybody's really pumped up about what you can bring and you don't announce a battle royale i thought that would have been right in the cards for this team to be like oh yeah not only do we have 128 players the biggest maps you're ever going to see in a shooter but we're going to double down and make a battle royale that's really badass for you and your squads, which you never know. You know, we can't say never because the future can hold something special, but that should have been day one. And I, I like that you brought up the July, maybe game pass announcement. I was worried that if they announced game pass too early, they take a lot of hate and a lot of heat on the internet for about six months before release. Right. So I wonder if we'll see that maybe two to three months before a surprise announcement and try to catch everybody off guard. But I don't think you could do it in june when it releases in october and just take four months of just heat (laughs) nonstop would be wild yeah it'll be interesting to see i you know hearing you talk christian hearing mike talk about uh playing with a group of friends every night it just makes me jealous (laughs) there's no way i or any of the people that i play with could be available every single night no, <laughs> just, Jeff, i'm so jealous of that it's Jeff, such a you cool... do you do you just do you play with your video game friends on sunday night you play with your D friends on wednesday night yeah you play with yeah. your movie, movie friends, friends on thursday yeah. and friday night is that right and you play with monday your night. science your science right. friend you know when it's convenient i play with my kids is what i play i meant i meant i meant carboni when i think yeah. you guys have an atypical recording schedule uh and then yeah you've been playing a lot of mario with your good friends as they Mike. jump into the pool yeah. <laughs> Dang, uh, jeff you've got a pack i was going to invite you to the squad but it sounds like you got everybody I, no, and that's my role that's my role Mike. i talk I talk Jeff there out of getting invites. I'm just like the, the the blocker for Jeff having friends to play games. The other with. thing, the other thing is, I sadly did the math when Mike said he was 31, and I realized that I was published as a video game reviewer when you were born. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Well, you look great. Let's well, start off with that. You. You're looking freaking oh, good, my oh, God. Oh, believe me, Holy I'm editing geez. that part out of the co- podcast. Holy There's geez. no way I'm revealing that to the Let, world. Let's rewind for a moment because it's funny you bring that up. I, I think you guys both know Nick Scarpino, right? And Nick Scarpino yeah. is one of the older members of Kind of Funny. 
and more known as the entertainment guy, right? Yeah. And when I was brought on to produce and host our daily live streams where we were just going to play games, Nick stepped up and said, hey, I'm willing to do two days a week with you, Mike, out of the five. Like, let's play games. And to see that love for games reignited in Nick, where now he wants to play all the time. And we've kind of put him on this path where he's playing Warzone and he's identifying with Warzone, right? Like he That's is awesome. interested in hot dropping, getting better. It's not, oh, we just got absolutely trashed by Timmy and Tommy to cracked <laughs> out 13 years old. No, yeah. he is like taking that on the chin and going, hey, I could do better next time. And we've gotten to the point now, it's funny you bring that up, Jeff, of like, when I say my eight friends, Nick is one of them. Nick will jump into a Discord with That's like awesome. seven 30-year-olds and just chop it up with us, hang out with it. us, play games with us. And it's so funny of like, he jumps in and everybody kind of goes a little quiet. He'll tell a funny joke and then he'll look at us and be like, Y'all playing Warzone tonight, and we immediately <laughs> will switch any gear that we have and go play games with Nick. So it's really cool to see this love for games brought back to Nick, and like being kind of the catalyst with that is so cool because I know he loves it, and I know my friends love it. It's like That's one great. of the coolest moments to see. Also, That's though, great. Let, let's not kid ourselves. And no offense, Mike, I I am older than you, so I'm not just throwing you under the bus. None of us are the young kids playing games. You know no what I mean? More, yeah, that's true uh-huh. too. Yeah. <laughs> We're all yeah, the old timers yeah. sitting down being like, no, I don't want to watch TV. I'm playing games with my friends. Like that to me is a, the bigger part of the conversation of it's not, what do you guys want to go do tonight? Do you want to go skate the Seven Eleven or, you know, whatever it's, are you playing Warzone? Are you yeah. playing Fortnite? Yeah. What do these UFOs mean? That's huge. It's Fortnite. The UFOs, they've been glitching for a while. They don't. They're, they're wild right, they're right now. Re- IRL, baby. IRL. <laughs> Who cares about real UFOs when there are <laughs> UFOs in Fortnite that abduct me when I'm about to do something that will complete a battle pass? You know, like, get out of yeah. here, real UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mike, it's been awesome having you on the show, man. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Snowbike Mike. What a delight chatting with you, man. Thank you for being here. Thanks for both of you having me on, especially on a special day. It's Father's Day, and both of you seem like totally radical dads and really cool dudes. And like I said before, right, this was one of these introduction moments for me to meet both of you, to be inspired by both of you, and have a lasting impact from both of you. And I got to say, you two rocked it. So thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for inviting me to hang out. And, you know, I hope this is a friendship that will last forever because, this is something where I'm going to listen to you guys all the time now. You guys are rad, and I love awesome. it. So happy well, Father's you. Day to the both of you. Play a bunch of games, and thanks for having me. This was cool. Absolutely our pleasure, and right back at you, man. It's been a delight getting to know you a bit. And tell the folks where they can follow you online. Oh, shucks. Well, you can follow me on all my social media accounts, at Snowbike Mike, of course, on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm going to be sharing all the hype and love and enthusiasm for video games. Of course, beautiful Lake Tahoe and my two cute pugs, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So if you like dogs, I got a lot of dog photos. And then on top of that, you can catch me live on Twitch every single weeknight. I'm playing games with my friends on twitch.tv slash Mike. Or if you love kind of funny, because I know you do, those guys and gals are pretty incredible over there. You can catch me hosting their daily live streams each and every day right after kind of funny games daily at 11 a.m twitch.tv slash kind of funny games and on fridays i record the kind of funny x cast where we talk all things xbox with paris lily and one crazy dude gary witta those post every single saturday so if you like xbox if you like games i'm bringing all that to you and some more 
Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Pinball, buddy. Pinball. Yeah, lots of it. One like. word, two syllables. Pinball. I think uh, you should. Uh, I don't think you should give the girls a bowl of quarters. I think you got to. I think it's allowance. If you want to play the game, daddy gets your money. <laughs> get, you get a replay at 300 mil. Get yeah. good. Uh, get good. This is how it works. I just slowly start increasing the cost of play. If you want, look. $2 gives you three games. It's a better value. You got to just pony up. What are we doing? This is an origin story, if you want it to be. If, you're, if, you're, if you want your daughters to be the greatest pinball wizards Dang. of all time, this is it's, the origin story, the moment where you have to be Tiger Woods' dad. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. I yell at them while they play. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, it says, oh, this is, and I get it. In pinball Left speak. paddle. <laughs> Left flipper. It makes me... What is that? Are you too slow or are you too fast? Which is it? Too slow or too? F- um, it, when the different paths are open or lit, uh, it will go. Tatooine is lit, which to me, just, I was I just giggle thinking know like what Tatooine is. <laughs> I just picture it being lit. Hoth is lit. It's like ooh, everybody's <laughs> popping in hot, dude. It's a good. <laughs> it's a good table though, because if you pick uh, different, you can choose to play as Leia or two. Uh, Han or Luke, but if you play as Luke, the Hoth path never lights up because Luke wasn't predominantly featured in that part of those movies. So it like knows who you're picking as to what kind of adventures and what paths open up in the table. Anyway, it's a real good table. And yes, I scream at them. I scream. Yeah, it's like no. you got to hit the Happy inner loop, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Twitter's Set the best an place. example. Stand up is coming back. Uh, I've been at the store a few times since it's kind of come back. I'm not going to lie; it feels weird. Um, it still feels weird to me, uh, but stand up is back. So Twitter's the best way to find out. I'm not traveling yet; don't know when that will happen. Uh, but for shows in and around LA, at Spicer S P I C E R, and I'm still working on my kind of bigger digest of of what this summer. I, I might wait till after E3. I mean, not E3, till EA's July thing. It's like mid-July. I don't know. I'm working on a new newsletter or a new installment of that. Uh, it'll be out fairly soon, I think. And you can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, where I do some longer form writing about video games. Also pinball, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can always email us here on the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you for any reason. Whether you have a comment or question, a game maybe you want to see reviewed on the show that we haven't talked about, write us your review and maybe we'll read it on the show. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. I also have several other shows that I do you can check out, including the Slash Filmcast, which is my show about movies and TV shows. You can find that at SlashFilmcast.com. This week we are talking about Luca, which is phenomenal. I loved it. Check that out. And I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. If you want to learn something and laugh along the way, check out We Have Concerns. And I also do the Dungeon Run, although I'm taking a couple of weeks off because we're having a special two-week-long two-shot, which is going to be DM'd by one of our players, Jared Kajak. He's going to introduce this entire world of the French Renaissance. Sounds really cool. The Sapphire Festival. And we have special guest 
Two of the three black halflings are joining our show, as well as Trisha Hirschberger. It's going to be a great time. So check that out on Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. You can watch all the past episodes on YouTube or as a podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Let's 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 wrap things up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Mike, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, that's a good one. You ready for this one? Go yeah. outside. Go enjoy the summer sun. No matter where you are, we've all been cooped up for a long time now. And I still want you to be safe, right? Wash your hands, practice good social distancing techniques, wear a mask whenever you can, and really help out all the community at large. What I want you to do is get outside. Go enjoy that sunshine. It's going to really brighten your day. It's going to help you walk down the block. Go go somewhere nice. I took my friends out all around Lake Tahoe this weekend, and it was a breath of fresh air to finally get outside and see other people here around the world smiling, right? I think we've spent a lot of time isolated, and it's really, really cool to get back out there and see people and see people having fun, and it's really, really nice, and it's going to go a long way to make you smile and make you feel good. So go outside, have some fun. Great recommendation. And if I may, if we can get this to catch on, you're going to jump into a pool Say Super Mario, go under the water, come back up, and then say Odyssey. Maybe, maybe we can get that to catch on in honor of my, my lovely three-year-old daughter. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a parting gift? I do. If After you're done being outside, if you want to recoup up for a little bit, uh, one is ongoing and one is late to the party. Ongoing, Loki is phenomenal. I feel bad just heaping praise on the continued MCU and what they're doing on Disney plus um, sidebar. Jeff, I texted you about this, but I kind of got to be on the periphery of a uh, Falcon and winter soldier party uh, the other week. And that was fun. It's like, yeah. Ooh, look where I ended up. Uh, this is what a man. These people are all very successful and good at what they do. Um, I think that every Disney plus MCU show is like the best. I'm like, WandaVision so good. This is, they can't do better than this. And I was like, Falcon and winter soldier. This is what I want. This is getting back to the roots. This is, Oh, and what they're saying, how they're setting up for cap four. They can't do better than this. And then Loki's like, hold my beer. And I'm like, now this is the one Loki's really good. I absolutely love it. It's phenomenal. If you've missed the first two, I highly recommend watching them. And then my late to the party is The Queen's Gambit, which I hadn't watched when it got all the buzz and won all the awards. It's on Netflix. Um, I don't totally understand it, but I love it. Like, the mom is so weird. And it's like, I can't, people are kind of playing caricatures, but it's beautiful and it's shot I, stunning. I did not I love care it. for it, but I'm really? glad you liked it. Everyone seems to like it but me. So it's fine. I love it, but I don't, like, I watch it and I look at my wife and I'm like, I don't, is this real? Is this a dream? Like it has this very surreal, but grounded. It's, it's so, it's unlike anything else, I think is what makes it. And it's really pretty. <laughs> so that's Loki and Queen's Gambit. Um, my parting gift is a new web comic that's on Patreon that I hope you give a chance to. Uh, it's a friend of mine, John Ray, 
who uh, did a cartoon years ago that I was a voice in called The Micros. And it was all about poker and online poker. Uh, it was making fun of it. It was very clever. It, actually, the show got pretty big and uh, became a thing in the poker world. It, it was a huge hit, This The Micros, uh, this animated cartoon that he wrote and directed and created. And I played a, uh, a the sort of the, the big bad guy in the in the show and it was great and they made several episodes and then online poker became illegal <laughs> so all of the uh, online poker sites that were sponsoring it and making it be a thing uh went away the federal government said nope you can't have online poker anymore uh, and so it went away and now he is bringing the show back as a web comic but instead of it being about poker it's about magic the gathering so if you like tabletop, if you like poker, if you like card games of any kind, or if you just like stuff that's funny and well-written and super smart, he's one of the best writers I know. Uh, he used to be the director of my improv comedy troupe back in the day. That's how we met. He's become a buddy of mine. Super smart guy. Really funny. I've read the first 10 web comics that he's releasing, and they're so smart. It's so funny. It's like this meta commentary on the show itself. It's so smart. So check it out. Patreon.com slash the micros, M-I-C-R-O-S, the micros, uh, and see if it's something that you would be interested in. I think you would enjoy it. If you like web comics, if you like smart stuff, uh, my buddy is making it. All right. We have a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to dlcfeedback at gmail.com from Richard in Texas. Richard writes, uh, hello, fellow geeks and sneaks. This year, I'll be entering my 40s, and I didn't want to do so in the shape I was in. So I would like to recommend the fitness app FitBod. It takes the analysis paralysis out of working out by using AI to recommend what exercises to do based on each muscle group's recovery percentage. You tell it what your goals are and what equipment you have, and it builds a personalized program for you. I, for one, didn't have any equipment at home, so there's a body weight option for me. Plus, its annual cost is only a fraction of what a monthly gym membership would be. Stay rad, y'all. Richard in Texas. Uh, and he says, P.S., if I could have two parting gifts, it would be go for a walk, which I think is basically what Snowbike Mike suggested. So there you go. Um, so so that's no, the you, don't, you don't get two. Yeah, you don't. Uh, you don't. Mike got it, and it was his. Quit trying to have two parting gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Fitbod, F-I-T-B-O-D, is the name of the app that uh, Richard suggested. Very, very cool. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Snowbike Mike and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room that are watching live the video version for hanging out with us in real time. We appreciate you. You make the show better. Thank you for being here. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you who download the show every week. We couldn't be here without you. Well, we could, but it would be lonely. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>